Dear Christian friends, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text which we have chosen for this ordination anniversary occasion, you will find in the 21st chapter of John's Gospel, beginning with verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me more than these? He says unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says unto him, Feed my lamb. He says to him again the second time, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me? He says unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says unto him, Feed my sheep. He says unto him the third time, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he could glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Now, O Lord, in this hour of worship, give us a word for our hearts, and hearts for thy word. Amen. <clears throat> Pastor and Mrs. Basler, Dr. and Mrs. Hollinson, members of the families, Emmanuel Congregation and Friends. This is one of those extremely rare occasions that we certainly would not have wanted to miss for anything. It isn't often that we have the opportunity to be present for a double ordination anniversary, the first son of a congregation celebrating his 50th ordination anniversary, and then the pastor of the congregation, his 35th. We certainly pray God's richest blessings upon these who are celebrating today, that as the years go on, they may continue to experience the blessing of God in their lives, and that God may bless many people through them. It has not been my privilege to know Pastor Basler so well. We have met him since we were in the Ohio District Office the last couple of years. I've learned to like him very much, to appreciate the work that he has done. He served mostly in the Eastern District of the Church. He served in the Michigan District for a time, but just before we were privileged to serve there, so we were denied the privilege of meeting him then. I was thinking back when I first became aware of the name of Martin Hollinson. He may not remember it. There must have been a time after he came here to your congregation that you thought about updating your constitution. And Dr. Hollinson wrote to a number of congregations that were of similar size and asked for copies of the constitutions of these congregations. And it was that way that he wrote to me, I don't think we helped you any by the material that I sent you at that time. I think we could do better today. 
but this was my first contact with the name of Martin Hollinson at Marion, Ohio. Then when we returned from Iowa in 1952 to Ohio, then it was my good fortune to get to know Dr. Hollinson much better. We served for a good many years on the Executive Committee of the Ohio District. He served for a time as the acting president of the Ohio District, and he was always a man to whom one would look for counsel and guidance in times of crisis. If we had problems that we were, with which we were confronted, we could always expect good counsel from the pastor at Marion. And among other things, we learned also that here was a man, a dedicated pastor, dedicated to the service of God, and I think in love with his congregation, because he had opportunities to occupy the position which we hold today, but he preferred to be the pastor of your congregation here in Marion. I would say a true shepherd who loves the flock of God. And so it is indeed a privilege for us to be here with you, a double pleasure, also our first opportunity to worship with you in your very fine sanctuary. Whenever an anniversary is celebrated, I think we always go back, at least in our minds, to some of the things that have happened, the history of the past. We always look back on an anniversary and take a much briefer look into the future. One of the first books that was given to me as a gift by a pastor was entitled In the Master's Vineyard. It was written by an old pastor of the former Iowa Synod, which is part of the former American Lutheran Church, by a pastor Augustine who was up in Wisconsin somewhere, and it was a story of his life. It was a fascinating story, more interesting because it was true than many of the novels which you might have an opportunity to read. And as I thought of this anniversary occasion, if we could put together the 85 years of service to the Lord and his church, which is represented by these two men whom we're honoring today, what a fascinating story that would be. A story of activities, of work, of trials, of disappointments, disillusionments, failures, frustrations, with some successes and satisfactions thrown in for reward. Actually, the life of a pastor, a conscientious pastor, is as interesting as any novel could possibly be. And so I would like to use as our theme today the romance of the ministry. In the life of the pastor, there is mystery, there is wonder, there, is, there are all the elements that make for an interesting story. However, I would seem to be doing the wrong thing if today we spent this time from this pulpit just talking about the life and activities of these two pastors. That's why we chose the text which we chose. 
It wouldn't surprise me if Dr. Hollinson or Pastor Basler on occasion might have used this text for an ordination and a, for an ordination service. And so maybe you can think back to the time that you were ordained, when the romance began for you in the ministry. We hope and trust that it was built on love. As a pastor who has counseled many a young couple that have come to you, perhaps you have asked them the question, do you love each other? Do you really want to be married? Is this something that you have to do in order to be happy? This is the kind of a question that ought to be asked of young men before they take their vows for the holy ministry. Do you really love the Lord? Peter, you may remember, had denied that he knew his Lord on that Thursday evening in Holy Week. He had done it three times, and this is probably the reason that Peter was asked three times by the Lord, do you love me? But only the first time he asked, do you love me more than these? Scholars feel that there is a different possible interpretation for this question. Generally, we have thought that Jesus was asking, do you love me more than these other disciples, than your brethren over here? Dr. Barclay thinks that maybe this took place on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and that Peter was probably standing there next to the boats and maybe even leaning a hand on one of the boats because they'd just come in from fishing, and that Jesus asked, do you love me more than these material, earthly things, the things that go to make a living? Because just a few days before that, Peter had said, I'm going fishing, and had left Jerusalem, the place where they had been following with the Lord. And this question, it seems to me, is very apropos, particularly when we're talking to people about the ministry. Do you love me more than these earthly concerns, the material things that might accrue to you if you were in some other business? The sainted Dr. L. H. Hsu, when he was pastor at St. Paul's in Toledo, said one time he figured that he made a contribution every year of about $22,000 to the work of the church. And he explained it this way. He said, I was a graduate of Capital University, and while I was there, he said, I met a number of young men with whom I was fairly even in talent. And he said, those friends of mine are earning around $25,000 a year these days. I'm getting three. This was back in the late 20s. He said, so I figured that I'm making a contribution of about $22,000 a year. But he said, I'm happy to do it. I wouldn't exchange my position with that of others for anything in the world. He loved the Lord more than these earthly material advantages that he might have had in some other profession. It is important that a pastor love his Lord. Not all men, perhaps, enter the ministry because they love the Lord. For some, the ministry is an opportunity to get away 
from a rather sordid environment to which they would be committed, perhaps for the rest of their lives, if they stayed where they were born and raised. For others, the ministry is a status symbol, although far from what it once was. Pastors aren't put on pedestals anymore as we once thought they should be placed on pedestals. And perhaps it is better this way. Pastors and people are together, and they're not separated one from the other except when we're in church together. Then there are people who I think have gone into some area of church work because the church makes at least a very sizable contribution to the education of a minister. The pastor actually pays very little when you consider the total of his educational cost. And one man said that to me one time. He said, this is the cheapest education I can get. We may say parenthetically that even though he hadn't intended to serve in the parish, he is serving in the parish and he's happy serving in the parish. The Lord led him from his first goal to a love for him and his church. And of course, there are always those who think in terms of seeing different parts of the country. I'm sure that when Pastor Basler, Jr., that's here today, graduated from seminary, he had no idea that he would be seeing as much of the country as he has already seen. I said one time when I was going to a, an ordination service to a young boy, I said, I'm on my way to Scotland. And his eyes brightened and he said, I think I'll enter the ministry too. But when I told him it was Scotland, South Dakota, a little crossroads village, uh, he changed his mind. But it is true that a pastor can see different parts of the country, different parts of the world, because he is a minister and he may be called to service in different areas. But the proper basis for serving the Lord is not what it will bring to me, but my love for Jesus Christ. There may be times when the best of ministers forget and aren't motivated by this deep, all-consuming love for Jesus Christ. Because as Pastor Herbert Walber, the pastor at Bellevue, Ohio, said one time in a conference sermon, pastors are people, too. And there are times when the old Adam sort of raises his head and gets the upper hand for a little while in the lives of dedicated men. But the proper basis is love. Jesus used three different words. He spoke of the love which sometimes is associated with passion. Then Peter answered, you know that I love you, but Peter used the word which we would translate with Philip as I'm your friend. But Jesus asked the question using the word for the highest type of possible love, not the kind that implies an emotional attraction, infatuation, liking, as we like to popularly put it, but rather that of being drawn and committed in goodwill. This is what he asked of Peter, and Peter wouldn't say any more than this, Lord, I'm your friend. And that means so much. Because if you can honestly say, Lord, I'm your friend, then no matter where you are, no matter what may be happening, 
you will stand by your friend because a friend is one who will be with you when you're in need not only when it's sunny and beautiful outside not only when the going is good i hope that we can all say that to the lord this morning i am your friend here are two who have said it they've said it again and again not necessarily with words but they've said it with a dedication of their lives and that leads me to the second point the romance of the ministry based on love finds its fulfillment in service this took place the story of our text shortly after the resurrection when jesus appeared to his disciples up in the sea of galilee peter said lord i'm your friend and what was jesus response he didn't just pat peter on the shoulder and say peter i knew the other night you were scared to death and you didn't mean to deny me you were just frightened i knew you didn't mean it this wasn't jesus response to the response lord i'm your friend i love you comes the word feed my lambs feed my sheep it's so easy to say i love the lord one sunday morning while i was pastor in dayton ohio i didn't very often do this but somehow or other i decided i was going to do that that morning got in the pulpit and i said would everyone that's in the audience please raise your hand if you love the lord and i looked over the audience and i think it was unanimous in the back pew that morning sat a young man who i knew didn't go to church he just happened to be visiting there with a couple other boys he raised his hand with the rest of us i don't know whether he knew what it meant when he said with the others i love the lord it's easy to say i suppose if we ask you here this morning do you love the lord every one of you would say yes i love the lord how do we know how do we show it some of you here i know are married a husband has said to his wife i love you has your wife ever said to you then prove it maybe it's been the other way around too but the words come so easily they come so easily from us i love the lord jesus says feed my lambs feed my sheep i will see whether you love me in your relationship to my people i thought it was a beautiful solo that we listened to a moment ago it reminded me of the story told by leo tolstoy of a martin ovvetch a shoemaker in russia i think of this story every time i see the picture which we call grace the old man sitting at a table with meager fare before him here was this and i want to tell this very briefly here was this shoemaker in his little shop he had very little when he was in his shop lived in the same room he would cook himself a little cabbage soup and then after he'd eaten he'd take his bible and he'd read 
this one evening he fell asleep with his Bible in his lap and he dreamed he dreamed that the Lord said to him Martin tomorrow you're going to see me and he was happy now he didn't believe in dreams but he couldn't get it out of his mind so the next morning when he went to work opened his shop he kept looking out of the window to see if perhaps he would see the Lord he was out sweeping a little of the dirt and stuff that gathers in front of the shop from the sidewalk and he saw a man leaning against the light post shivering he wasn't dressed for this cold winter weather that they have in Russia so he invited the man in and he said look he said I've got a coat here that you can have maybe it'll help keep you warm he went to do a little work and he looked out of the window and there he saw a woman with a little baby the baby was crying they seemed to be cold he invited them into his shop he said you can warm yourself over here and maybe you can feed the little baby sent her on her way a little later on then as the afternoon began to wane he was disappointed he hadn't seen the Lord he saw a little boy run up to a lady who was trying to sell some apples to make a living and he grabbed an apple and ran away and started to taunt her about it and Martin couldn't see this so he went out and chased the boy and he brought the boy back and made him put the apple back into the lady's basket and she was ready to have him taken over by the police and he helped make peace between this woman and this little boy and sent them on their way the boy carrying the basket for the elderly lady the story ends by saying that that evening after he'd had his cabbage soup he sat down in his chair and he took his Bible and he went to sleep again reading his Bible and then he dreamed and the Lord said three times I appeared to you today didn't you know me and with that he awakened and he looked down on the Bible before him and he saw in print what we heard sung to us inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren you have done it unto me do you love the Lord you show it by loving his brethren by relating to his people we serve him by serving others a pastor is not just a builder of congregation congregational morale he is not just a promoter of the common culture a pastor is the ambassador the representative of Jesus Christ going about his community going through his parish like Christ helping counseling lifting up encouraging bringing both law and gospel to people and the more varied the pastor's life and service the greater his own satisfaction and the fulfillment of his ministry who can have served 35 years or 50 years in the ministry without having hundreds thousands of people with whom his life has come into helpful meaningful contact what a glorious fulfillment it is for a man who is a minister of Jesus Christ but the crown of glory comes at the end those who have brought many to Jesus shall shine like the stars there have been hardships on the way 
There has been much opposition. Words aren't always accepted. When I think of the time, 1916, when Pastor Basler started his ministry, those were war years. Not pleasant, easy, happy years. He has seen much of hardship through his ministry. When I think of the time when Pastor Hollinson began, 1931, how well we can remember those days. That year we went into our second parish. Sometimes we got our salary, sometimes we didn't. If the money came in, all right. But it usually didn't. Insufficient amount. And when a church had a debt, these men weren't about to go to the bank to borrow more money. People just weren't paid. The Depression of the 30 was a rough time. A rough time to begin one's ministry. And yet, as you look back upon it, I think we would say a glorious time. We didn't start with a silver platter. We didn't start with everything coming our way. We learned something of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to bear the cross after him. But a good minister doesn't say, if this is what the ministry is, count me out. I'll do something else. Here are men who have dedicated their lives to the Lord and they served him faithfully. And they may hear the word, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want them yet to enter into the joy of the eternal reward. We believe that the Lord still has much work for them to do. And as a financial counselor said to a pastor who inquired as to what he should do about retirement, he said, the first thing I can't, I have to say is, how can a man of God ever retire? And as I look at these two men whom we honor, it would be my judgment that they will be men of God as long as they live, wherever they are, friends of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will continue to serve him with all and the best that they have. May God bless you and keep you in that way. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith unto life everlasting.